Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Well, this morning, this car that's out the front, <laughs> give me the keys. <laughs> Guys, this morning, I want to leverage a little bit, if I can, off what Pastor Christian spoke last week around vision. So as he said, by the way, who found that an awesome message? Who was encouraged by it? Nicole was encouraged by it. That's good. Awesome. You know, I feel like this is, this is our year. This is my year for sure. I think this is your year. I think this is a year that God is going to exceed above and beyond expectation. You know, his later foundation, 2014, was very much about laying foundation. And I feel like God is going to supernaturally build on that foundation this year, his house in Noosa. And somebody say amen. Yeah. So I want to springboard off Vision Sunday and talk a little bit more about promise. You know, for me, the new year, it always signifies promise. It's starting again. It's leaving the old behind. It's what lies ahead for the next 12 months. It's almost like a blank canvas. And so in saying that, I want to ask you this question. I want to ask you, what are the promises that God has? What are the promises for you, for your family, for your kids, for your business, for your health, what is it that God has prepared for you this year? What is it that you're believing God is going to have you lay hold of? Amen. And so the title of my message this morning is called Stop Talking and Start Walking. Stop Talking, Start Walking. And I want to encourage you guys, take notes if you can. In fact, what I would like you to do right now in your notepad or on your iPad is write this down. I want you to write up in the top corner, I want you to write the word promise. And after you've written the word promise, I want you to draw a little arrow. And I want, you to write, I want you to write the word faith. And I'll show you a little arrow. So you've got promise, you've got faith, you've got action, and you've got promise. I want you to write that down in your, in your notepads, and your iPad. And then what I want you to do is under that first promise, I want you to write the word of God. Under faith, I want you to write, I want you to write the word um, action. Oh, sorry, not action. I want you to write, uh, where, where are we? Promise, word of God, faith, circumstances. Then action, I want you to write under their transition. And under the last promise, I want you to write receive. And I'm going to get to a little bit about why I'm getting you guys to do that. But before I do that, let me premise my message this morning by saying this. Very rarely in life will you find that the promises of God are just handed to you. We all understand they've been spoken, they've been written, but they're not automatically just given. You know, who understands that we can find the promises of God in His Word? But just because they're in their word doesn't mean automatically that we have a smorgasbord of promises that we can sort of conveniently walk up to when we choose, pick and choose a couple of those promises, declare them over our life, they're realized, and then we just kind of move on all, all the more better for it. Amen? The promises of God are not devoid of the fight that you and I have to make daily to lay hold of them. Yep. And so it seems like sometimes what happens is people come into the house of God and they come into a Christianity that promises if you simply have faith, if you just simply believe, then you receive the promises of God. If you somehow just uh, are believing, then you'll align yourself to, to receiving that somehow you walk out the Christian walk victoriously by in this innate or this immobile posture before God that we can sit on our hands as Christians and believe that God, like some you know, big spiritual Mr. Whippy machine in the sky, you're just going to pull the handle down and the promises of God are dropped into your lap at your every command. Amen? Can I get an amen to that? And so I guess my problem with that is, is this innate or immobile Christianity is that what it does is it produces spiritually overweight Christians. Amen? They, they're Christians that have learnt how to talk the talk, but not necessarily walk the walk. 
Okay, so they're Christians that have forgotten what it is to actually fight the good fight of faith. So they forfeited their spiritual stamina. And all of a sudden, they, they, they've forgotten what it is. They've become lazy in their, their belief system. So they've forgotten what it is to keep our eyes focused on that prize. You know, Apostle Paul says in his word that we all, as Christians, need to keep our eyes focused on that prize to which Christ has set before us and then run towards it. You know, and so this morning, I want to, um, I want to kind of shift uh, your thinking. I want to kind of readjust your mentality a little bit about walking into the promises of God, all right? Now, there's a saying that I think rings true in life, and it's this. It's that anything worth fighting for, or anything in life worth having is worth fighting for, amen? Who believes that? Anything of value, anything of, anything of um, specific value, anything that has the potential to change your world for the better um, is worth fighting for. It has this underlying characteristic in your life that if you want it, you've got to go after it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to seek it down. Who understands that if you want a marriage that is blessed and flourishing well into, later, into your later life, that you have to work at it. You have to fight for it. If you want to enjoy the benefits of well-being and, and feeling physically fit and healthy, you've got to work at it. If you want to stay in shape, you've got to take action against it. And if you want to choose the right decisions in life, necessarily over the easy decisions in life, it takes discipline. You know, and so why did I get you to write what I did up at the beginning of this message? Well, just like, I guess, mathematics, if you like, in our natural world, um, there's an algorithm or there's a formula I believe exists for us to walk into the promises of God and realize them because we see it patterned time and time again in the Bible. And so my prayer for you this morning is that as I bring the word, you would come with an open heart and you would allow revelation from the Holy Spirit just to speak to you as we go through. So if you're all on board, I want you to come with me to Exodus 14.10, and I want to set the scene as I do. Here is Moses. Moses has come into Egypt with a promise from God. I'm going to set my people free. God has seen the afflictions of his people. He's spoken his intention then to Moses. That intention has become promise, and now Moses has taken that promise back to Israel, and he's delivered it to them in the midst of their misfortune. And the first thing I want you to understand this morning, church, is this. God's promises are God's promises. They're not reliant on your situation. They're not reliant on your circumstances. They're not reliant on your belief system or even your idea of how this year is going to go for you. God's promises are simply God's promises. They're available for you and I. They're available for everyone from the mightiest of saints, I mean, to the worst of sinners, and why do I say that? Because God's promises were first spoken by him. They existed and they were born into being first and foremost outside of this natural realm that you and I live in. And because they first existed from the mouth of God outside of where you and I live, I want to tell you that they're not subject to decay. You can't revoke them. They're not revocable. And they're not conditional on your ability or your spirituality. They are simply the promises of God. And some of you might be thinking, you know, well, I feel so far away from what the Word of God tells me I am. I feel so far away from where I should be, but can I tell you, just like the Israelites that were called God's people were living in a foreign land as aliens under extreme persecution, under slavery, being hounded, treated worse than dogs, yet God still chose to send a promise to His children on the shoulders of an unlikely shepherd to say, you know what, I'm still your God, I see your affliction, and I'm still going to bring you out of slavery, and I'm going to bring you to the promised land. Amen. So we know that God does some pretty amazing things. He sends the plagues and eventually Pharaoh lets his people go and they kind of follow Moses out of, out of Egypt and they're wandering around in the desert and after a couple of days they find themselves rocking up at the edge of the Red Sea 
and they kind of stood up camp. Now, in the process, what you've got to understand is Pharaoh's heart is hardened again, and he thinks, man, I've, I've made a mistake. I'm going to get my armies together, the armies of Egypt, and I'm going to pursue the Israelites, and I'm going to overtake them, and I'm going to take back what I believe is, is rightly mine. And so we see him setting out to overtake Israel, and we pick up in, in chapter 14, verse 10, and it says this, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Isn't it interesting Despite knowing that Moses had brought them a promise of God's deliverance, despite knowing that Moses had said, your God is going to bring you out of slavery, not just slavery, but he's going to then deliver you into a promised land, a land flowing with milk and, hurry, milk and honey, that all of a sudden, they're in the circumstance that seems like it's only going to end in misfortune and tragedy for them. They kind of wedge between the Red Sea. They've got the desert on either side. They've got the Egyptians coming up behind them. And in that atmosphere of things going not their way, all of a sudden, God becomes incapable of fulfilling the promise that he said he was going to do. Amen. All of a sudden, we find out that the, the, the Israelites think, man, the only certainty that we have now is that we're going to die. And what I want to suggest to you this morning, church, is maybe Israel didn't take faith with them out of Egypt. They took fear. Okay. And fear, I want to tell you this morning, is the old enemy of promise. Fear is kind of the thorn that you're going to find in the side of your dreams and mine. Amen. You see, in order to walk out the promises of God, this is what you've got to understand. That regardless of your situation, regardless of how you feel about yourself, regardless about where you're at, regardless about what's going on in your world, you and I have to be able to pick up the Word of God, open its pages, and begin reading truth into your life. No matter what, you've got to find a starting point, a true north in your world, to find out and seek out these promises of God. But then once you've sought out the promises of God and you're reading what God says about you, you then got to decide which way you're going to roll on the promises of God. You see, you can either go to a place of fear or you can go to a place of faith. And for some of you, I want to tell you that circumstances will always want to take you to a place of fear. Perceived reality, how you're seeing your life, will always want to deal you the fear card before it deals you the faith card. For some of you, you need to understand that the very characteristic of fear is that it wants to pull you back. It wants to stop you from moving forward. It wants to take you back into the things that you're struggling with. It wants to take you back into a past that you don't want to associate with anymore. It wants to take you back into a history that you're trying to move far, far from. That is what fear does. Fear wants you to settle for bad situations in your life. And what fear will do is it will have you look for God in godless situations. There's nothing good, church, I want to tell you, that comes out of fear. Because all you've got to do if you think about it is listen to the language of the Israelites. I mean, the minute they lift up their eyes on the edge of the Red Sea and they turn around and they see the Egyptians, immediately they regret their exodus out of Egypt. Immediately they think, man, you know what, all we want to do is go back. And you're kind of thinking, you know, for you and I as outsiders, we have a different perspective. We read the history of these people, and we see the conditions that they were in in Egypt. They were beaten, they were oppressed, they were abused, they were spat on, they were treated worse than dogs. So you kind of think that every minute of every day that they're not standing in Egypt, they're being delivered, that it's reason to get up and rejoice and proclaim the deliverance of their God, sing His praises. But what we find instead is that out of their very mouth, they confess to Moses in that moment, have you brought us out here to die? 
We want to go back. At least in Egypt, we had shelter. At least in Egypt, we had food. At least in Egypt, we knew what our daily portion was going to be. At least in Egypt, we knew what God was, uh, we knew what was coming day after day. And we might not have been living. In fact, we were probably existing. In fact, now let's be real, we're probably just trying not to die. But you know what? At least the little we had was better than nothing at all. And I'm kind of thinking, what? What's going on here? You know, you've got to understand that what Israel was doing in that moment in time was, was basing their demise, their misfortune on some massive assumption about God. And this was it. It was saying God has brought us out of Egypt to take us into the desert so that he can let us die. But hang on a second. Moses has just walked into Egypt and said, my God is going to deliver you out of slavery. So here we go. And he's going to take you into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. So guess what? If I'm standing in the desert and I ain't seeing no promised land, you know what? I better keep walking. I better keep trusting. I better keep pushing in because my God has still got to get me to the promised land. Can I get an amen this morning? All right. So uh, Christian said last week this, and I thought it was great, and I've kind of been chewing over it. He said, you know what? You've got to get that spiritual mongrel fired up inside of you. You know, most of us are Aussies here. We understand the mongrel mentality. We've got to get that spiritual mongrel fired up inside of us. You know what? 2015 is not going to be the same as 2014 for this reason. I'm not going to justify or accept the condition of my position where I stand right now. Because I believe that I have a God who is able to deliver me, fully deliver me out of my circumstances and bring me into promise. So I'm going to believe that my God's got the goods. There's a better life for me this year. And I'm going to start focusing on him. The enemy may be right on your back. You might feel the enemy, stinky breath, breathing down the back of your neck. But you know what? You've got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. You're going to say, God, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep walking because you're going to deliver me in Jesus' name. All right? Come on. So here we go. So. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if we carry on in chapter 14 of Exodus, we're going to kick off in 13. It says, Moses answered the people and said, Not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. But then he goes on to say this, and this is really important, church. I want you to catch this this morning. The Lord then says to Moses... Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water to the Israelites so the Israelites can go through on dry ground the sea into the promises we know. And I want you to catch this. God says something very significant. He says, Moses, I need you to tell your people to shut up, stop talking. Stop talking. The season for you to stand still and talk to God about the problem is over. Now is the moment and now is the opportunity where I need you to start walking. No more talking, start walking. And why? Because Moses, you've got to understand that I see you. I see your people. I know where, you're, I know where you've come from. I know what you're going through, but I know where I'm taking you. And the, I, the truth is that I've already given you my promise. You're walking into it. You're going to walk into the fulfillment of it. I've given you my promise. And with my promise, I bring provision. Why? So that the good work that I've begun in you, I will bring it through to completion. That saving grace I've started in your life for your family, for your kids. I want to see that out to completion. But here's the deal, Moses. You need to make a decision to move on. You've got to make a decision, and I want you to understand this. It's not divine instruction. You're not waiting for a divine sign. God says, stop talking. Make a decision by faith and choice to, to move forward that I can start fighting and that I can walk in promise. Amen? I want you to um, 
And for some of you this morning, I really feel like that, that is it. That's the season for talking is over. You know, there's a new season come upon your life and God says, I've heard your prayers and I've heard your prayers and I've heard your prayers. And you've been crying out and you've been crying out and you've been crying out and you've been standing on the word of God. You've been standing on the word of God and God says, I see you, but guess what? You've just been standing. Now the season has come upon your life where I want you to start walking. Some of you have been crying out, God, this year I want you to open doors, close doors, bring miracles, do this, do that. And God's not answering and you're hearing radio silence and you're getting frustrated and you're thinking, God, what are you doing I want to tell you now, God's asking you, now's the season to start walking. Now is the season to start walking. All right. So, where are we up to? I want want to illuminate a reality for you as well. The reality is this, that there are ifs and there are buts and there are provisos with a hand that God works in your life. And what do you mean by that? Well, hang on, isn't God big? Isn't he gracious? Isn't he all Mighty doesn't he just do what he needs to do to bring about what he needs to bring about in your life? And I want to suggest to you that he doesn't always. Why do I say that? I say God is actually by nature a reactive God in that he will react to you as you step out in faith. As you move, he moves. As you speak, he speaks. As you draw near and engage God, he draws near to you and engages to you. James 4, 7, 8 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near unto you. Amen. And so transitioning between reading and hearing about the promises of God and then walking into and realizing the promises of God is really based a lot on that word action. Do you believe the word of God by faith? Will you then take that faith, couple it with action so you can actually walk out into the promises God has for you this morning, all right? So I want to come back to our original text, um, and I want you to think for a moment how much weight carried on those two words God spoke to Israel. He said, Israel, I want you to move on. You see, Israel is standing there, and they're crying out to God, and they're crying out to God, and they're asking Moses to intercede. Can I tell you, if that's all they did, by faith, heart poured out to God, Egypt would have caught up with them. Egypt would have overtaken them. And for some of you this morning, you feel like you're crying out to God, and you're crying out to God to do the impossible, to answer, to bring breakthrough, to release you. But can I say, the enemy's right behind you, and if that's all we ever did, you may not see victory, and I'll tell you why here. It's not necessarily for the lack of talking. As I said, it's, it may necessarily be from the lack of, of walking. You see, if, if they did nothing else, Egypt would have caught up with them. I dare say they would have probably killed some of them. They would have taken some of them back to Egypt in probably worse conditions than they had. But what would have happened, we wouldn't have had anyone cross the Red Sea. So if no one's going to cross the Red Sea, no one's going into the promised land. And if no one's going into the promised land, then where do we get the genealogy of David? And if we don't get any David, where does Christ come from? Where do the Gospels come from? How do you and I get saved? So at the end of the day, on that question, I want to ask you this. What is on the other side of your obedience to the promises of God as you believe by faith and then you step out by action and you start walking, church? Because I want to tell you this morning, God can part the Red Sea before you, but unless you put one foot in the other, you're not going to cross that dry ground to get through to the other side. See, God in all his power and infinite wisdom can literally give you a blueprint to the dreams he has for you. He can give you a sat navigation and say, this is the way you've got to go. But unless you start walking, I want to tell you, you're not going to get to where God wants you to go. Amen? For some of you this morning, I really feel like God's saying, you know what? All you can see in front of you is a sea of impossibilities. You know, in your life right now, all you can see is a sea in front of you that's too wide, too deep, too far to cross. 
on either side of you, you've got, you're taking heat, you're in the desert, it's dry. And behind you, all you've got is the enemy coming up, gaining ground on you, and you have nowhere to move. But I want to tell you this morning, church, God is faithful. That in the very midst of impossibilities, God comes with the possible. In the very midst of you not knowing what to do, God comes and says, if you would just step by faith, I will show you what I'm going to do. Because what they didn't see was that in the midst of that deep sea lay the miracle of God, just waiting to be unlocked if his people would just stop talking and start walking. For some of you this morning, I believe God is about to part the Red Sea. You are going to walk on dry ground into your future. But not only that, I feel God saying that he's going to bury the enemy behind you. He's going to cut off the enemy. He's going to cut off your path and he's going to redeem your future because it's a new season and it's a new day. Church, amen. Come on. All right. So I want us to go. I want us, where do I want us to go? Somewhere. All right. Here we go. I want to encourage you this. You know, it's in the transition that we make between hearing about the Word of God and the promises and walking them out. It's in that transition phase that the miraculous of God is released into our life. As you start walking, you will find the ability of God begins to exceed yours. He'll start to draw you in towards His promise. You know, so in Matthew 14, 22, we see Peter in the boat. And it's that, that one fateful evening where he's in the boat and he's being tossed up and about and it's stormy and the waves are howling. And in the midst of that tempest, he sees Christ standing afar off in the water and it's stormy and Christ is getting ready to encounter Peter and have an encounter with Peter that Peter will never forget. And so what Peter does is he begins to take God as his word and he says, Lord, if that is you, call me out onto the water that I may come to you. God, if that is you, call me out into the water. And so what he does is he takes the promises of God and he reaffirms them back to Jesus. And he says, Lord, if that is truly you that I can see through the storm, then let your promise have its way in my life that I can get out of the boat and walk on water towards you. So what does uh, Jesus do? He says, Peter, come. As you've spoken, as you've let it be, as you've seen, come to me. And Peter gets up and he walks on water. But the deal is what I want you to understand is this. The minute Peter stood up, Believing God, seeing God, knowing God's with him, lifts his leg and takes that step of faith. The minute his foot hits the water before him, that is when the miraculous power of God is released and begins to walk on water to Jesus. So what I want to say to you this morning is it's not so much just about how hard you and I pray and stand on the word of God, but it's that moment that we lift our foot off and say, God, now I step forward. Now I engage and I believe by faith what you said, that you release something different. You release the miraculous of God in your life. And what I love about this is that the storm, you've got to notice that the one thing we don't sometimes read in that is that the storm didn't stop through this process. The waves are still raging, the wind's still howling while Jesus is having this encounter with Peter. And what I want to say this morning to some of you churches, don't wait until your life is calm. Don't wait till you fix things in your life. Don't wait till it's all squeaky clean before you take action. Because in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of the mess, in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in your world that seems so ugly... God's promises can remain. God's promises remain. They're not destroyed. They don't decay. They're not revoked. And the other thing is that God's miraculous is released in those times where you just think, man, you know what? It's all too hard. What I love about the story is that Christ gets to Peter and he steps into the boat. And the minute Christ's foot hits Peter's boat, and here's the deal. I want you to understand this. I said to you, God, earlier on, God's a reactive God. As you step out by faith, what you do is you open a door to allow God to step in. As you step out, God steps in. God waits for you to step out so that he can step in. And the minute he steps in and his foot touches your life, you will find that he will start to calm storms in your area. That, that emotion and that struggle begins to stop 
He begins to give you clarity and vision. You begin to see what God's doing. Church, I want to say to you this morning, now's the time for you to lift your leg and step out. Amen. Can we say amen? Very good. All right. Really quickly, if we go back to Exodus, I want you to understand this about God. The miracle was not in, uh, sorry, the promise was not in God parting the Red Sea. The promise God brought to his people was this, I will take you out of Egypt and I will bring you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. That was the promise of God. The miracle was parting the Red Sea to get the, the Israelites through to that promise. So in your transition, if you will be bold enough and courageous enough to step out, God will use the miraculous in your world to get you to the promise. Amen. Who understands that when we give an altar, the promise of God says in his word, by the stripes of Jesus, you and I are made whole. So as we respond and we come onto the altar and we receive a healing, what we're doing is we're receiving a miracle from God that gives us a way to, trans- to walk into promise that is you and I are now whole in Jesus' name. Amen. So really, there are two reasons why I got you to write down that, that formula, if you will, at the beginning. The one is that if you remember nothing else I've said today, that that kind of, in a nutshell, sums up what we've been talking about. But the second reason that I wrote that was that is really what I believe is the promise formula of God. If you'll begin to follow that process in your life of not just reading and hearing and believing, but taking action that you will start to receive into the promises of God. And so I want to fast forward really quickly to the end of that exodus. We find Joshua camped at the edge of the Jordan River uh, with the Israelites. They're about to cross over to Canaan. And Joshua 1, 1, God begins to speak to to Joshua, and he says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Remember, they're still in the desert. They're still in the midst of what was. They're still remembering in the 40 years that they journeyed. There again, God brings promise. And so he goes on to say, I will give you every place where you set your foot as I have promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the river Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to the ancestors to give them. And so here's the deal. Remember how we all have public conversations? And then we get the behind-the-doors conversations that we have with people. I kind of feel like this is a behind-the-doors conversation God's having behind the Scripture. He's kind of saying to Joshua, Joshua, you know what? I see the circumstances you're looking at. I see the opportunity you're weighing up in your mind whether or not to take. And the truth is that you've got fear in your heart. The Lord says, don't fear. Many times through the Scripture, He says, don't fear, Joshua. You don't know what's on the other side of that Jordan River. You've never been into that promised land. But now you've got thousands of people that are looking to you like they look to Moses. And they're wanting direction. They're wanting you to be able to lead them. And so courage is easily lost. But Moses, I, uh, Joshua, I need you to go to a place of faith. I need you not to, not to be fearful because fearful is going to keep you where you are. Fearful is going to turn you around and have you walk your people back into the desert. And I'm personally sick of seeing my children walk around the desert for 40 years when I've had a promise back in that time to deliver to them. So have faith. Luckily, Joshua has faith, and we know that he gets his people ready, and he gets his priests ready at the front of the army, and he puts the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. He says, now we're going to arise and go. And I want to ask you this question this morning. When is it that we see the miraculous of God released that the Jordan River is parted and they cross through on dry ground of Canaan? Is it when they're getting equipped? Is it as Joshua makes a decision to stand up? Is it as they're worshiping, as they're walking? Is it when they get to the edge of the Jordan and they're waiting? The scripture says this to us. It says that as the priests 
dipped their feet in the water, the Jordan River separated, and they moved through. As the priest took a decision to act by faith on the word God had spoken to Joshua and say, you know what, this is a raging torrent. Remember, the Jordan had broken its banks. It was raining. It was the wet season. This is a torrent. The priests are about to walk with this fat gold nugget on their shoulders into a raging torrent. The result's not going to be pretty good when they do that. But you know what they do? They don't wait. They go, you know what? God said, do something. I'm going to do it. And they dip their feet in the water. The minute they do that, that action by faith encounters the miraculous of God and he separates the water. And sooner or later this year, church, I believe God is going to ask you this. Son or daughter, are you going to be prepared to get your feet wet for my promises to come true in your world? Are you going to be prepared to get a bit dirty? Are you going to be prepared to wear a bit of sweat on your brow in order for me to release the promises I have into your world? Because if you will do this, then I'm telling you this, church. God has said so clearly, this year I will open your eyes to see the land that I want you to take, and you're going to take it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give him a hand this morning? Joshua understood something really interesting. It says, no matter how long he stood in the desert looked over the Jordan at the promised land and believed God for it. God, I believe, man, I'm so convinced you've given it to me. You've spoken to me. God could have turned up in a pillar of smoke. God could have turned up there with all his angels and said, it's yours. Take it. No matter how long Joshua stared at it, no matter how long Joshua stood on that word and claimed that it's his, do you understand that he would never have received it unless he made a decision to cross that river and walk into that land? So I want to tell you this morning, no matter what you're looking at, no matter how confident you are, no matter what God's spoken in your heart, understand there will be an element in there where God says, I need you now, son and daughter, to start walking in Jesus' name. So we know the rest of the book of Joshua. Canaan is taken one battle at a time, one city at a time. They overcome. And I want to say in this message, don't ever forget, church, that our promises of God are one, one battle at a time, one city at a time. But the deal is this, if you would be faithful to keep walking, God will fight for you. If you'll be faithful to keep pushing through, God will come through for you time and time again. Lozzie, can I get you guys up on, up on stage? That would be great. And I want to remind you as we just come, come to a close this morning about the house of Jesse. I love the house of Jesse. A great story comes out of the house of Jesse. There's a prophet Samuel who's looking for the next king of Israel. And he's standing in the house of Jesse and he finds it in the least of the sons of Jesse. The Bible says he's a good looking, ruddy young boy. And we know that Samuel says, boy, you're it. God is going to make you king of a nation one day. And so he anoints David and he speaks a word into David's heart. And David takes that promise by faith and he goes back out into his world. He goes back out into his circumstances amongst the sheep fields, tending his father's flock. And he hangs on to that word of God that's in him. It's a promise that's been given to him for a season. And he hangs on it by faith and he meditates on it and he believes in it and he takes courage in it and he stands up by faith in seasons in his life out in the sheep field where we see him start fighting off bears and lions protecting his flock, which is a, a foretaste of the things to come when he'll start looking over a bigger flock, Israel. But I believe that it was a promise of God that was put in his heart that David believed with such faith that when it came to the point of encountering a man that was standing before Israel, defying the voice, defying the name of God, that he was the only one that said, you know what, I'll stand forward when everyone else is standing back. There's a promise in my heart that God's spoken. I know one day I'm going to be king of Israel. One day God is going to bring me into a place that is destined for me and I'm going to rule over Israel. 
in that moment, I believe that he coupled that promise with faith. And he said, you know what? I'm going to step out because my God's been faithful to me. And I'm going to take on this Philistine where no one else will. And as he does that, God honors his step of faith. He honors David walking through that promise. And we know that he steps onto the throne of Israel, known as a man after God's own heart. We speak about him still to this day. And I guess really quickly for you to define what is that action that I'm talking about so much in this message. And I want you to ask yourself this. In every circumstance that you encounter with God in your life, have you done everything that you can possibly do to bring yourself towards that promise of God? Because if you've done everything you can physically, spiritually, mentally do in your life, then I want to encourage you this morning, keep walking, keep standing, keep pushing in, because God will meet you at a point by faith where He will take over and begin to do what you can't do in your life. Some of you may be believing for a job this year. You've got Philippians 4.19 up in the bathroom mirror. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. And every time you're scrubbing that body, as you step out of the shower, you're reading that scripture on the mirror. You're believing this is the year God's going to give it for you. You're standing on the word. But I want to ask you this. Have you dusted off the resume? Have you updated the resume? Have you drafted cover letters? Have you jumped on the phone to as many recruiting agencies as you can? Have you jumped on seek and started looking for work? Because church, if all you're doing is standing, I want to tell you, you need to start walking. So as we come to an end, to a close this morning, I want, to, I want to ask you a question I asked you at the beginning. What are the promises for you this year? What are the promises that God has for you, for your family, for your health, for your marriage, for your kids, for your business? Are you going to be courageous enough to stand up this year and say, God, I don't only believe it. I don't just stand on it, but God, I'm going to get crazy this year and I'm going to start walking towards it. I'm going to step out by faith. Why don't we just stand up this morning? You know, for some of you here this morning, I just feel that you've been in that place of so severe frustration. You know God's got great things in store for you. You know that there must be a better life and a better way. And all you can do is look out beyond you and all you see is a sea of impossibilities. God, I don't know how you're going to come through, but God, hurry because I feel like the enemy's coming up behind me. He's going to take me out pretty soon. I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. Church, I'm telling you today is the day God wants to meet with you and say, I'm a God that will deliver you. I'm a God that will fight your fight for you. If you will just say, God, I'm scared, but you know what? I'm not going to let fear rule my life. I'm going to step out. I'm going to step out by faith because somewhere in the middle of that mess, somewhere in the middle of being broken, somewhere in the middle of that shame, you have a seed, a miracle that you're waiting to release in my life if I just step out by faith. So this morning, I just want to ask if that is you, if you're saying, Justin, I need a miracle in my life, something has to shift, something has to change. Do you know what? I'd love to stand and pray with you and say, God, Let's start moving forward together. If that's you this morning, can I invite you? Why don't you come up the front? I'd love to just pray with you. Don't be scared. Come up the front right now in Jesus' name. I feel like there are people, come on, that's it. There's more people in the house this morning. They're saying, Justin, I'm sick of the circumstances I've been. And I want to move forward. I want God to part the sea for me this year. If that's you, come forward this morning in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, church, today is a day that you will remember this year that God is going to shift something in your family. God is going to shift something in your finance. God is going to shift something in your health. And you're going to look back and say, man, I'm making the crossing. I'm walking through the Red Sea, God. I'm on my way to the promise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.